Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Kaya and welcome to The Curb Podcast. My name is Andrew Pierce, and this podcast was recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Bulu, Perth. Sovereignty never ceded. Albany-based filmmaker Adam Morris returns to the region with his second feature film, Frank and Frank, or The Valley and the Walrus, Ruminations on the Mystery from Soup to Nuts. This introspective and explorative film follows Frank, played by Miles Pollard, a faith and financial influencer whose life is in turmoil as he faces a potential divorce as he heads out into a talking tour. In the throes of despair, Frank chances upon a stranger, also named Frank, played by Trevor Jamison, and the two quickly become salvations for one another. Frank and Frank is a film that explores masculine emotions in an open and honest way, with Pollard's Frank struggling to keep the ground under his feet, both figuratively and literally, as we see him try and reconcile with his faith one day by building a backyard crucifix to hoist himself onto, as if that will be the solution to his problems. The two Franks share hard truths and engage in soul-searching together, lifting each other up. This synopsis suggests that Frank and Frank is a dark, heavy film, and to be fair, it is at times, but is also reflective of life in the sense that there are frequent moments of lightness and levity to bring a touch of hope to both of their Frank's lives. In the following interview, Adam and Miles talk about working their working relationship and what changed in them as individuals during filming. Also, about what the joy of working in the great southern region of Western Australia was. Frank and Frank, or The Valley and the Wars, Ruminations on the Mystery from Soup to Nuts, has its world premiere at Perth's Revelation Film Festival on Saturday, July 15th at 6pm at Lunar Leadville, with a follow-up screening on July 16th at 5.45pm at Lunar SX. For more details and to purchase tickets, head over to revelationfilmfest.org. Additionally, if you want to listen to my previous chat with Adam Morris, head over to thecurb.com.au to give that a listen. This particular interview also touches on really dark themes, including suicide and mental health. So please engage with the interview with care. If you need any support, please reach out to Lifeline and Beyond Blue. Both of those are really great resources for assistance. Okay, take care of each other. And here's a snippet of the trailer for Frank and Frank. Did you know that money is mentioned over 2,000 times in the Bible? Jesus himself is mentioned less than half that number. But money is talked about in over 2,000 different occasions and never once, right? Not one single time is debt ever celebrated in God's word. I've told her that we're not going to be living together anymore. I've told her I don't love you anymore. Freedom is what God wants for each and every one of us. Because when we're free from debt, we're free from worry. And when we're free from worry, we're free to turn our attention to those around us and devote our lives more fully to love, to service, and to compassion. 
and we're able to enjoy all of our free time. It's funny talking about our time as being free, isn't it? But when we're free, we get to laugh more. We get to live more. And most importantly, above everything else, we get to love more. Part of the core of what Frank and Frank is about is needing to have a conversation with one another. And so I want to start off by talking about what the conversation was like for you, Miles, and then you, Adam, of getting on board this particular film and what discussions did you have with Adam to start off with? Yeah, it was it was a pretty quick process, to be honest. Uh, I, I hadn't met Adam. I met Adam through Ian Hale, who approached me first, who I've got a lot of respect for. And um, I think Adam sent me the Edward Isabella. So I, I was actually in Sydney at the time and I watched that and I was really impressed. I just, it was so unique and so different and and really sparse and and like you said, quite philosophical. Um, there was a complexity and a depth. It was simple. It was low budget, uh, but for for independent micro filmmaking, low budget. I thought it, it was it was quite exceptional. And so, I mean, I I then had a chat with Adam and said, "Man, I love it. I, I think the script really sung to me. It was really challenging. I, I, th I thought there were a lot of challenges in the in the writing for my character, for Frank, number one, and which I relished." I just love the dialogue. I thought the dialogue was really, even though it was dense in terms of, you know, low budget filmmaking and and, and Adam's style is very poetic, but it, it was still really, it was lean. It was, there was no fat on it. I loved it. I just loved the language. I loved the, um, the um, I don't know, the, the relationship between the two characters. And it was a really quick process. We had a chat and I said, mate, I'd love to do it. And he went, yep, let's do it. And, and he went away and started putting the project together and, and that was it. That's all she wrote. Ian's got a lot of respect for you yourself as well, Adam, uh, like a lot of people do. And I'm curious what that kind of relationship is like is to have with a producer, somebody uh, to help bring somebody like Miles on board to a project like this. It's kind of, it's the relationship as an artist, having your, uh, and as an author, and now as a filmmaker, I, I would have loved to have someone like Ian in my corner while I was working as a musician or have someone like Ian in my corner while I'm, while I'm, I'm an author. Like, I, I wouldn't have had access to Miles or Trevor in a million years if it wasn't for just one phone call from Ian because he is so respected. So what would take me probably six to 12 months of seductive emails to, to Miles and Trevor, Ian can accomplish in 30 seconds with a text, you know what I mean? So it's just opened so many, yeah, so many doors. Like, if Miles and Trevor weren't attached to Frank and Frank, it would be very, like, I'd be playing one of the Franks um, and my mate from Esperance would be playing the <laughs> other one and it just wouldn't be the same, wouldn't be the same film. So, yeah, it's it's really, I don't know, it's kind of like being given a little key to a very big door that otherwise you'd be knocking on for a very, very long time. Yeah, I, I feel quite very grateful for, for that relationship. Um, and now I've been able to, like the work that myself and Miles and Trevor did together, yeah, it's just, it's been a real, real blessing. So it's, it's not something I take lightly at all. And of course, this is a film that's set in WA, like Edwin Isabella was. And I'm curious for you both how important it is to show WA on screen, you know, specifically getting to see styles of landscape that we rarely get to see in Australian films. How important is that for you both? 
Oh, well, like, honestly, Andrew, for me, it's more of a, a, a budget thing um, because we don't have to travel uh, and we don't have to, <laughs> we don't have to like, um, yeah, we don't have to scout too many locations. Like the film was literally filmed in my backyard, a, a lot of that film, um, which makes it easier if you have to, you know, you don't have to travel to the location. So, yeah, if I lived in a rundown neighbourhood in Romania, that's where we'd be making these films. So it's a bit of a bonus that Albany's as beautiful as it is. But, yeah, I, being completely honest, it, it really is just a, it, it's a, it's a budget thing um, rather than an aesthetic thing. It just happens to be also really, really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And for yourself, Miles? I suppose it, well, it goes, he wrote, you know, it was Adam wrote it, but, and now he lives there. So the landscape is embedded in the writing, whether it's subconscious or not, but it is, he chose to live there for a reason. And the reason, you know, it's a beautiful place. Albany has a, it has a vibe like all places do. And, you know, it's quite Darwinian. People become the, the, the locations they live in. You know, you start to, to take on some of the qualities where you live. You know, I, I love that. I love, like, but just the chance, like Adam's talking about the chance of things. Things just happen because it was his backyard. But then suddenly we're walking along this dirt track to find a river that we can jump in that we haven't even wrecked and we don't even know what we're going to do. But we'll find it. It'll be right. We'll just rock up to the car park. We'll go for a walk with all the camera gear and we're going to find the perfect spot. And I suppose my cynicism was like, okay, okay, I'll go with this. But we did. We did, and we found the perfect spot. So what I've learned through this process is just how, you know, sometimes perfection comes from not even trying to source it out or micromanage it. It just tends to reveal itself, and I've loved that process. And the landscapes certainly have done that. They're a big part of, the, I think, the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a nurturing aspect to it. There is a, there is a really uh, restorative manner for how the, the landscape, especially near the, the final third of the film, really actually replenishes both of the Franks. And I'm curious for you, Miles, like this character is quite a complex person who is starting off at a really difficult point in their life. They don't really know where they're going. How do you get yourself to that spot and then navigate yourself out of it uh, as a character and as an actor, bring that character to life? Yeah, the screenplay appealed to me because of that. I remember reading it when I first read it, thinking, well, he's a complex chap and the, the he was very conservative, he's very conservative, he's very bound, he's very, he's in control, uh, seemingly has it all together and then it all just unravels and I love that. I just, you know, the the journey of the character was, was just a beautiful journey. The complexity of it, like uh, having to go through that sort of suffering um, so extremely in, in such a lonely way, I mean, it, it, it makes me get emotional even talking about it now because... It's it's sort of forced me into really reflecting on on people in my life and myself who have been through through experiences that are that profound and that that difficult, you know. And I love I love the idea of I don't know. It really connected with me um, in terms of my own experience, not necessarily the same experience that Frank had, but people close to me. And uh, so when you first open a script up and you read it, I love that moment. I love the moment where you sit down with a cup of coffee and you turn, you know, you, you shut all the doors and you just really allow your subconscious to absorb what's on the page. And nine times out of ten, there's not a big response and you go, okay, that's all right. But with this piece and the character, 
it really hit me and I went, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's interesting what's happening there. Uh, I knew I was going to be in for a bit of a ride with it. I knew it was going to be challenging. Um, the, the process of low budget filmmaking is, is quick. It's exposing. You don't have a lot of rehearsals. You don't, you tend not to have very qualified auteurs at the helm. So we were lucky because we did. We had a man who's really smart and really um, instinctive. He's talking so, about Lockie, the, the the cinematographer, Andrew. Lockie was amazing. I mean, without <laughs> Lockie, we were being screwed. <laughs> so, you know, I felt like, I mean, one of the things about, one of the decisions I made was that I wasn't going to look at, a, at a, a mirror through the whole process. I didn't want to be self-conscious. I saw Edward and Isabella and I saw that because of time restraints, constraints and lack of cash, generally he was shooting adam was shooting in a, a wide shot maybe coming in for loose coverage because you don't have the time to to shoot it shoot the shit out of it really so i made a decision early on that if i was to to nail this a i had to do the work which i did and then b i had to not be at all self-conscious so i didn't want to be thinking too much where the camera was i didn't want to be thinking too much about what my next shot was or how my hair looked so I just let myself go and really enjoyed what was a really unique experience for me, Andrew, which was a, a character building process that was for me quite devoid of any ego, really. It was just a I had to plug in and, and enjoy the ride. And and I think there was a lot of learning in that for me. One of the things which I've noted with both Edward and Isabella and Frank and Frank, Adam, is that you have a real interest in talking through problems, whether it's, you know, having characters sit down and have a therapy session or merely just sitting down and having a drink and then actually just opening up their heart. And I'm curious what draws you to bringing characters out in a vulnerable state. What, what, what really interests you as a writer and as a filmmaker in exploring those really vulnerable moments that people have with one another? Oh, geez, Andrew. Uh, in 20 words or less. 20 words I don't, I, I probably, I don't really, I can't really answer that. I, it's probably the most interesting because we all hide it so much. Uh, it's probably like seeing someone naked because they're covering themselves up. It's like, oh, what's, ha what's happening here? Um, and we all pretend, like if someone puts their hand up and says, I've got like a mental health problem or I'm struggling, everyone else pretends that, oh, they're, they're like an outlier. Whereas, everyone struggles with depression and anxiety and grief and loss. And it's just, it's weird that we don't, I don't know. We just, we seem to hide it a lot and it, it's fascinating. It's like a weird part of the human condition that we do that. It's very, very strange in, in like in the fifties, it used to be the white picket fence and the, and the wife in the nice dress. And now it's that's that's been exaggerated so much now with social media. It's the distance between reality and perceived reality is is it getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's like a dirty little secret, I suppose, that I just find really fascinating, um, almost creepy voyeur kind of thing. Um, you, yeah, you're you're always wondering what people are struggling with and what people are not talking about, um, and it's often the most fascinating part about their their characters and when you have I mean people even have a slang term for it when they say we had a DM we had a deep and meaningful like that's people people used to say that in um in high school you'd have a DM with someone like it was a rare occasion just to talk or, or now the, the phrase now is real talk 
And before someone says something actually true, they say, okay, real talk. And it's, yeah, I find that just fascinating that it's, that we hide ourselves so awfully. I mean, we, we don't really do a very good job of it. And, and the, um, the result is often a, is more sickness and more unhappiness and more, it just exacerbates all those, all those negative feelings. So yeah, I, I suppose it's, it's trying to get into that and, and kind of being more open with it and, and taking the taboo off it maybe a little bit. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thought. I'm not really, yeah. I mean, that's what I really appreciate about Frank and Frank is the empathetic relationship between the two characters. It's supportive and it's witnessing and understanding that somebody else, whether it be a stranger or a close friend, is going through something difficult and giving them the space to talk about it. I'm curious for you, Miles, you have a really close relationship with Trevor in the film. What was it like building that relationship and making sure that you both had the space to be able to both explore your characters, but also have that kind of vulnerability with each other? Sometimes things just line up. Like there wasn't a lot of process in terms of generating it, which was the magic of this whole movie. I think, I mean, you know, we are staying in the same hotel. I've never met Trevor before. So it was, we, we, I think the first night was at your house, Adam, and we, we cracked a, few beers and then we cracked a bottle of red then we cracked another bottle of red and then suddenly we're talking politics and suddenly we're talking about sex and suddenly we're talking about god and suddenly we're talking about atheism and then we're talking about racism and i think three in the morning trevor and i or two in the morning can't remember might have been a bit earlier than that i'm probably exaggerating we got back to the hotel and had another beer and talked about the process so we we hit the ground immersed in this this proverbial DM, I think all of us just went bang straight into it. And that was the start. So that opened it up. And I think the other thing was it's Adam's sense of humor and his irreverence. And that's what really appeals to me. Cause I, I mean, look, I like taking the piss. Adam likes taking the piss. Trevor certainly likes taking the piss. And I think humor is a really good leveler. Like I don't like too much reverence. I, like I get a bit sort of, oh, it's too heavy. Forgets get, but I like, I like talking about heavy shit, but I like I like it to be accessible in in a lighter way. And I suppose that was there from the start with all of us. Um, and then that played out on set. We go into a kind of a deeper tone. This is a story about changing as well. And I'm curious for you both, what changed about yourselves during the process of making the film? Was there anything that you started and you surpri- were surprised when you got to the end of it? And like, I didn't realise I had this in me. Oh, mass- massive changes for me. I, I-, I found the and this doesn't happen very often. I mean, you are changed by projects that you do. I think for me, I, I got to understand some people in my life a bit better. I, had, I don't think I'd really explored the frailty of, 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 of male spirit, especially, yeah, I'm not talking about my own experience, but, but just by thinking about the character in its relationship to, to people I know closely, and then really I walked away feeling, yeah, understanding that frailty, frailty a bit better. I think I got, became less of a control freak. I think I'm much more open to the magic of moments, whether it's artistic, definitely artistically. I I love, I love the way Adam goes about it. I've really tried to apply that in my own creative world as an actor, as a writer, even as a bit of directing I'm doing, just control is a great thing, but sometimes things just, it happens that there's, and it's the mistakes that, that create magic and Sometimes you can be so bound in perfection, trying to attain it, that you actually do yourself a disservice. When you're when you're open, it's like anything you do. The more relaxed and open, at ease to what's going on, the more receptive you are. And I found 
I've learned a lot from Adam style with that and the style of movies like that too, you know, we're sitting there shooting in a bog at the very end of the movie. <laughs> it's like, what are we in a bog? How are we going to get to this Island? And all these, the, the cynicism kicks in, right? And you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if it's going to work. No, it'll work. It'll work. And Adam is just so, I don't know whether he's a duck swimming underwater and his legs are doing this, but here he's just, that'll be fine. It'll all work. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's great. So, and so as, as we're paddling over to the island in a little broken paddle boat that pretty much only does a circle with all the camera gear, sitting, having a uh, coddle on a stove in a, in a, in a bog. <laughs> there was a, there was an absurdity to it that when you really embrace it, it works. If that proposition was put to me a year or two years ago, I think I would have just said, nah. I don't think this would work. But now I, I feel really open to those experiences because of it. What about you, Adam? I remember going on that paddle boat and I couldn't control it. And I was on the <laughs> other side of the island and Miles Miles was calling over saying, hey, Adam, how about doing a bit of directing instead of going for a leisure <laughs> paddle? Because we've only got a few more hours before the sun goes down. And I was like, I can't, I don't, I can't get it over there. So I, the, the big thing for me, like what Miles is referring to is definitely more of a duck. I had no idea whether it was going to work either, but I've learned that this, this process does work now. So the, the first film with Edward and Isabella was really, we had no idea whether we'd be able to even finish a film or make a film. It was like an experiment almost. Um, and it turns out we could. And then for Frank and Frank with Miles and Trevor, we just kind of went up five, six, seven levels. Yeah, and I, to like, just again, to be completely honest, I had, Miles, I had no idea whether it was going to work or not. Uh, I'm, I'm, from the head up, I must be a good actor, Miles, because that calm, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like that inside. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Um, but I've learned that, and it, this wouldn't have happened if you guys hadn't have given me all that trust as well. So it wouldn't have worked if you guys were hyper anxious and worried and cynical. Um, it probably, yeah, the wheels would have all kind of come off. So... I've learned that this approach to filmmaking does does work, and I'm really excited to yeah to keep to keep going um, yeah with Miles in Fredericktown. So yeah, we're, we're um, yeah very 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 excited. So um, that, that's what that's what I learned. Yeah, I understand that as well. There's like the the Albany Collective is what it's called. Is that right? This creative collective group of people who want to be able to put films and stories on screen about Albany. Can you talk about that a little bit, Adam? Sounds like a cult. <laughs> yeah, it's a cult, yeah. I've got some uh, literature I'll send you guys after. The, uh, <laughs> the Illuminati or something. Yeah. No, it, it was, it, we, we call it the Great Southern Co-op, Andrew. Yep. You've like a co-op, you've got grocery stores and supermarkets that are co-ops in the country um, where all the different produce people just bring in their little contribution to the store and then the store has got everything in it so it, it all started because i was going to try and shoot frank and frank like i said like i was going to play one of the roles and i was going to get a guy from esperance to do it we were going to shoot it for about 10 grand um and then when ian suggested miles and trevor it was like and miles and trevor were super generous um taking it like massive massive pay cuts but we still had to come up with more than 10 grand so we we ended up raising it was born out of necessity. I didn't know if there was going to be people in Albany that were going to be like, 
yeah, we'll throw in some money to to so you can make a film out of them with, with Miles Pollard and Trevor Jameson. But it turns out that that there were and, and we raised we raised just under seventy thousand and we did it really quickly. We did it, I think it was about three weeks or four weeks. So from the time Miles had kind of signed on, it was like, okay, well, geez, we've got to find a little bit of of money for Miles and for Trevor. Um, and then the the crew who were coming back, uh, it'd be maybe we can try and find some money for them so everyone's not working for free. So it just grew out of necessity. And I just contacted people in Albany who I thought might be might be uh, interested. So the money came from like a local bookshop, a couple of restaurants, a pub, uh, independent radio station, an arts and culture magazine. And it just, we kind of just all cobbled it together. So people were putting in like two and a half thousand to five thousand dollars. And then that's how we raised the the 70. So we didn't go to one person and ask them for 70. We went to like 15 or 20 people and asked them for, for little bits of money. So it's kind of, it's interesting in order for the community to exist in an artistic supportive way, you kind of have to give them an opportunity to show that. So this was, this was, yeah, the same way the casting worked out perfectly, that just kind of aligned as well. So yeah, have to give credit to, to yeah, all those people in Albany who, um, cause two and a half thousand, five thousand bucks, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. So to give to me, <laughs> so that that's, um, you know, that's outrageous. So I'm, I'm very, very proud of, to be a part of a community that, that was able to do that. Of course, as, as we're leading to wrapping up the big community event, which is Revelation, what's it like for you both? Obviously, Adam, this is the second time that you've had a film screened there. What are you hoping for the festival? What are you looking forward to the most about it? Oh, it's well, all, all of those investors from Albany, 100% of them are coming up to to watch the film. They're all driving up. They've all booked accommodation. Um, yeah, I'm really delighted to be able to make good on that promise that not only have we finished the film, um, not only have we got Miles and Trevor in the film, it's also, it's now headlining Revelation on the Saturday night in the 500 seat theater. That, that trust that you gave us, um, yeah, we, we, we made good on our promise. So, and, and when I say we, I really do mean we, cause it, yeah, the film that we have, we wouldn't have if it wasn't that everyone kind of turned up and, and just kind of like Miles was saying, put the cynicism aside. And, that, and that's, I mean, I really love that about the film. Where it's it's a film that deals with suicide, uh, divorce, uh, fantasies of murder. Like it's a it's quite a dark film, but it, there's not one scene in it that is cynical. Um, and, I, and I think that's quite rare when it, when it, it, that's rare in literature and that's rare in, in in film. So I'm really really proud that we made a like a beautiful film that has no cynicism in it, but still goes into into some heavy territory. Um, yeah, very similar. I, I think essentially for me, it's a celebration, right? It's uh, you don't know how things turn out, but what I do know, being as old and ugly as I am, is that it's hard to make movies. It's hard to bring things together. It's hard to deliver. It is such a big journey that we that Adam started and went on. Put yourself on the line and do it, and then we all coming together. Everyone's got skin in the game, but you know, just to sit there with all the uh, all investors, all my family and friends come too, you know. So it's for me, it's a party. It's a celebration of of having made something that's meaningful, that's that's got bones, it's got meat on the bones. You know, you're a long time dead. Life goes pretty quick. You don't have many opportunities to to sort of have a couple of beers and and celebrate all the hard work that people have done put into it. So that's what it's about for me. 
Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.